You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, gang? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Beautiful morning, beautiful crisp morning there in Green Bay, isn't it, Tim? Yes, it is. I just had a little coffee out on the porch and here ready to roll, man. Good morning, Lambo. <laughs> yeah, got your mind. I without right. a jacket on in November in Green Bay. What is going on? It's not bad. So what is it in the, in the 40s, I guess, something like that? It's like 48 right now. They're talking about oh. like, you know, high 60s again maybe today. And nice. I don't know. Right. I'm liking it because I got a feeling it's going to disappear very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> got to hang on, man. Hang on for dear life, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. I know we had some people already in here chatting in uh, in the chat, in the uh, in the comment section. We had Chris in in the, cha- in the house. We got United Bates, Omer in here. And uh, we're just going to kind of – you know, I didn't really know what angle to take this show this morning, Tim. And I thought, you know what, let's let's dig into some of the rookies. And as I'm combing through Twitter, what really provoked this for me was uh, uh, Paul Brettle had a, a tweet out and an article on Luke Musgrave. And you guys need to go check it out for sure. So that kind of prompted me to dig into some of Luke Musgrave's numbers, right, his stats. And uh, when I say stats, I'm not looking for just the overall stats. I'm looking for kind of dig a little bit and go, okay, I know he's got – uh, way fewer targets than other tight ends across the league, but how efficient has he been, right? And that's really the true gauge to use. Uh, and then also, uh, Jaden Reed, it prompted me to talk to look into Jaden Reed, and we got some information on him as well. And then we've got the snap counts from the Pittsburgh game, and then we've also got uh, a couple of videos uh, about, you know, Clay Matthews and Aaron Campen, and then uh, also a little mini uh, Chargers preview, if you will. So let's just kind of dive right into it. Like I said, this was the tweet that Paul Brettel put out. Um, he said, there's a ways to go, but Luke Musgrave has progressed as a blocker throughout the season, providing some needed help in the Packers running game. I quote, I do see a lot of stride, those strides those guys are making. More from Steno on Musgrave's pro- uh, progression here. So make sure you click on that article, guys. Again, it's PackersWire.usatoday.com. Uh, Go give Paul Brettel a follow at Paul underscore Brettel. Um, 
But that kind of prompted me, and you you guys have heard me say, I feel like he's getting better at blocking the last few weeks, just kind of watching, um, you know, watching the running game improve a bit. I know last week Aaron Jones didn't have much success, but when A.J. was in, A.J. had a lot of success. Um, and you can kind of see Musgraves getting more and more comfortable in the blocking game. But also when you look at uh, it, when you look into his targets, when you look into, okay, how efficient has he been in the passing game, Tim, it's pretty impressive, man. Like when you look at the targets, okay, keep in mind, guys, Luke Musgrave is tied in one. He has been since camp. So this isn't like it's skewed in a, in a manner where, uh, you know, okay, he's, uh, he's not getting, uh, I don't want to say a lot of snaps, but I mean, He's pretty much tied in one. He is our why. You've seen Tucker Craft replace him from time to time, but for the most part, he is, uh, you know, the why tied in. As a matter of fact, let's see how many offensive snaps he had real quick. I'm already off base. Let's see. So he played 74% of the snaps on offense Sunday against the Steelers with 50 snaps. All right. So when we go back to that, um, his targets, right, Tim, he's only been targeted 39 times this year. 39 times, that makes him the 24th most targeted tight end. And to put that into perspective, number one is TJ Hawkinson in Minnesota with 95 targets. So TJ Hawkinson is basically more than doubled, if my numbers are correctly, yes, more than doubled the amount of targets that Luke Musgrave has, right? Is that kind of how you've you've seen it unfold too when you're watching the game? Do you feel like, man, you, you think they should get him the ball more? Because in my opinion, it does kind of seem like that. There's been many times where it's a second and 10 or or even a first and 10 you're passing and we're taking shots down the field and you'll notice the wide leak across the middle. That's a, It's a slam dump four to six yards, right? So I just feel like you're, they need to doing the ball more. What do you think? You're not going to take that that leak when you're trying to force it to somebody else down the field. Um, and I think, you know, we just talked offline about this, you know. It's something with the reads. It's got to be post-snap read, right? I, I don't I don't know. Or it could be pre-snap read too. And he's not he's not seeing that matchup, you know. I I don't know. If I'm forcing the ball to anyone on this offense, it's it's gonna go to 88, let me tell you, uh, at this point. Um and uh I put it this way, I believe that when it's all said and done, we're gonna be speaking about Musgrave the same way we talk about Hawkinson and Kittle and a lot of these other guys that are top tier tight ends, but we got to get this man, the ball absolutely yeah. got to get him the ball. And yeah, it's great that he's better. Um, he's, you know, you're right. He's been, he's been TE one since camp. We know this. Um, but I think our best foot forward is getting him involved uh, in the passing game uh, a little bit more. I mean, can you imagine if we had more targets? I mean, look at the numbers he's putting up now with um, you know, in my opinion, kind of subpar target rate. Uh, if he gets targeted more, look out, man. And, and uh, I think we'll get to see uh, exactly who we drafted here. We just got to get this guy the ball, man. Right. And, you know, the thing, too, when, you, when you're when you kind of taking the whole offensive picture into, into effect, you're, you're saying, okay, what's been the big talking point? Uh, Christian Watson's overrated. Qu- Christian Watson has drop issues. All this Christian Watson, Christian Watson. Christian. When you look at those – those interceptions that Rob Domofsky has pointed out that Jordan Love has thrown when targeting Christian Watson, he's covered. And it, to me, it just seems like you're trying to force the ball to Christian Watson. You've seen it there at the end of the game, second and 10, second and nine, whatever it was, right? You're down by four points. He goes to the, the, uh, the Omaha pump, right? And he tries to hit that and he's covered. He tries to force it into him. Then the very next drive, they move the ball down the field. How did they move the ball down the field? If I remember correctly, it was, 
I think it might have been Musgrave or Reed. I think Dontavian Wicks had a dig, and then they dumped it off to A.J. Dillon. You move the ball right down the field, and then you get to the final play of the game, which uh, we will break it down on Chalk Talk. I've already got it lined out. Basically what they tried to do, you had two receivers on the left. You had three on the right. The two on the left uh, was a wide receiver and Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones in the slot. And basically what they tried to do, Tim, was go to the goal line and cross. So they run a dig and an out combo, right? And the goal was to try to get those guys to mesh, to try to hit each other. And if the window's there, great. If not, then there's a scramble drill aspect where the guys know to set up shot, probably spot high low in the end zone to try to find some separation. But you had the three receivers on the right, and what they did was Musgrave went down the seam, and you had uh, the inside receiver, the slot on that side, if you will, probably the flyer, ran an out, and then Christian Watson ran a dig. Same thing, right? And, and it's set up to go, okay, if there's a window there, hammer it. If not, buy time, go straight scramble, zone, uh, scramble mode and, uh, and see if you can make something happen. Jordan drops back, looks the safety on the left, and just hammers it right into coverage trying to get it to, to uh, Christian Watson. Now, we've seen the defense that Pittsburgh was playing. So I'm not going to blame them, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and blame Green Bay and go, uh, or Jordan Love and go, that's a horrible pick. It was like, what are you going to do in that situation? Your back's against the wall, right? But you can just see his eyes. Every single play is worse. Christian. Let's go to Christian. Let's go to Christian. Right. And when you do that, they're watching that on tape. And, that, and that, why do you think that safety and shell coverage knew to get over there and pick that ball off after it got tipped? Right because they're looking at Christian primarily most of the time. So if you go to Musgrave more often, it's going to open Christian up more, right? The problem is you're trying to you're, you're continuing to try to hit your head against the wall and just get the ball to Christian constantly. So and one thing I noticed on the tape too, Romeo Dobbs for the most part was playing X and I'm telling you it seemed like every play I'm going, where's Dobbs at on this? Where's Dobby at? Oh yeah, he's running another go. They just had him running goals all day long. It felt like, right? Just hey, just go down the field, you know, is what it kind of seemed like. But uh, yeah. With that being said, I think if you if you stop trying to force the ball to Christian Watson and go to Musgrave a little bit more, it's going to open Christian up. And it just I, I'm excited to ask Mike Wall that, um, and he'll probably have an answer that catches me completely off guard. And I'll go, of course, that's the answer. <laughs> you know, the other <laughs> thing we noticed too, Clayton, is like you've been preaching for a while here, is we were condensed all day long. We were in condensed sets all day long again. And you talk about this last play. It's like, yeah, we were finally spread out on the last play of the game. Um, I would have liked to see more spread peppered in during the game. And we we didn't – we saw it. It was there. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But, man, did we run a lot of condensed sets again, Clayton. And I, I just don't think we're getting away from that. I don't think it's going to change. You know, the the play there at the end when we ran when we ran the, uh, the Omaha pump, that was – that was a condensed set. You yep. know, he tried to do the 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 double double move, if you will, on the left side with the Omaha pump and the stick nod was like I said, Christian and Luke Musgrave. Now that's a, that's a whole lot of height over there, right? And a whole lot of catch radius. You'd like to think, okay, you like that matchup, but when you got a safety over the shelf, it's time to work back to the middle of the field, especially when you're in that too high shell. So when you kind of look at it from that perspective. Um, it's just it, there's there's answers on the field. There's answers to the equation. Jordan's just not getting to those answers in the most important time, right? And, and again, that goes with that's going to come with experience and actually playing in games like he is, right? So hopefully they'll be able to put that together. Omer in the chat says uh, play calling might help 
How about some crossers for Watson? Why always deep passes? Exactly. Uh, completely agree. Utilizes speed on crossers. Now, if they had hit on a large majority of these deep balls, we wouldn't even be talking about it, Tim. We'd be like, yeah, that's, that's you know, this is Monday morning quarterback at its finest, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, we got everybody rolling in here now. What's up, uh, Jeremy? Good morning, buddy. I'd like to see more crossers too, uh, Omer, just to be honest with you, man. Um, so uh, this is an interesting comment. Zane Strong said, I thought Romeo was his go-to guy. It is funny that, you know, every time he goes to Rome's, if the ball is on the mark, Romeo seemed to make a grab, right? But he's his numbers are way down as far as, you know, yards per target and things like that. So uh, um, let's get back to uh, um, Luke Musgrave real quick. I had a couple more stats I wanted you guys to see. So we pointed out the targets, right, and and how he's not being targeted near as much as other tight ends, right? I mean, you, you can see even it, just five spots up, there's a significant more amount of targets. So when he is targeted, though, he's actually not in the league in yards per target. So – when he's targeted, they're averaging eight yards on that play, right? And that's not the best in the league. So you look at his targets, again, he's 24th. And then you see his yards per target, he's not. That, guys, one plus one equals two. It means he's being underutilized. It's really that simple. Now, you're going, okay, well, how efficient are they with it? That's just yards per attempt or yards per target. Glad you asked. If you go to passer rating, traditional passer rating, when targeted, and this is amongst tight ends, okay? He's ninth in the league. When Jordan Love targets Luke Musgrave, if you removed everyone else off the field and just took the targets that Jordan Love had to Luke Musgrave, Jordan Love's uh, passer rating jumps to 106.0. That's not amongst tight ends in the league. So I can't come away with anything here, Tim, other than they're just underutilized. Yeah, and I think a lot of this comes down to also, like you said, man, some of the struggles that Jordan is playing through right now and trying to work through. And a lot of these are timing. A lot of these are reads. We talk about that one, um, you know, we were just referencing with the stick nod and, and Christian trying to get open over the top. That was a bad read. I mean, he could have he threw a laser to Musgrave on that play. We might be having a different conversation. So, you know, those things are all going to attribute to these you know it's the same thing why like we said where's where's rome where where romeo romeo where for out thou romeo well our quarter our quarterback was probably thinking the same thing or maybe he wasn't and that's why we didn't see those targets um and yeah i don't know the thing with with sending romeo um, on goes all day i don't know if they were just trying to scheme something open up underneath him maybe um because we did see that jordan just wasn't taking those throws a lot of the time um but yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know what it is. Unless we're at the point now where Jay loves just figuring, man, let's, uh, let's Brett Favre it, you know, let's just, uh, let's just try and win a Super Bowl with every throw. Um, I don't know, but uh, time will tell, man. Hopefully, they can play through this and build a little bit more uh, chemistry. And I really do believe that, it, that if I had to put one thing that's affecting this offense the most, or at least affecting our our receivers and our quarterback, it, it's the post-snap reads from uh, from Jay Money, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Corey Stone uh, in the chat here says, I think they need to elevate Reed and Wicks to wide receiver one and two. Dobbs has to be the worst wide receiver one in the league. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's the worst, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like when you talk about wide receiver ones across the league, 
if you go outside of the Packer fan base, and that's the only way to get a true assessment of that of that statement there, Corey, um, I don't think he's the worst. But if you were to ask other fans and go, hey, name some wide receiver ones across the league, I have a hard time believing Romeo Dobbs' name is going to be mentioned in the top 10, top 15, maybe even top 20, right? Um, and again, not to pile on Dobbs and say, hey, it's his fault, not to pile on Love and say it's his fault. This thing just hasn't meshed yet, right? And I think the number one thing that keeps popping up is you're trying to force the ball to Christian Watson. So when you talk about elevating them to one and two, I don't think, you know, I respectfully disagree with that, Corey. I don't think it's a horrible idea just to kind of get the young guys and say, okay, let's see if someone can rise up here. But I would like to see more of a rotation for sure. And I think the way you get to that rotation is by staying in 11 personnel. I mean, you're talking about keeping – whether you're in 11 or 12 personnel – that's what's determining whether Jaden Reed's on the field or Tucker Crafts on the field. And the overall goal is get your best 11 out there. You know, we're going to talk about Jaden Reed here in a minute. He's actually up for rookie of the week, and we all need to go vote for that for sure. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, when you kind of look at it from that, that angle, you know, I don't, I don't think you make horrible points there. I'm not, you know, necessarily completely disagreeing with you other than, you know, I, I don't think Dobbs is the worst wide receiver one in the league. We said it going into this year too, the way he graded out last year, people were looking at it like he was wide receiver one. And according to PFF, he's more in that two to three range. Right. So with that being said, there should be a, a better, a little more consistent rotation on these receivers just to see what you've got guys. It's a down year, right? Like yep. this is the time to do this and, and, and let's find out, sooner rather than later, all right, who are going to be the best wide receivers? Or as macho man Randy Savage used to say, let the cream rise to the top, right? Mm -hmm. I ain't going to say it in that voice either. We need that sound, by the way. We need some macho man in here for sure. <laughs> um, so let's see what else we got here. Uh, any, anybody else in the chat? We got a bunch of people in the chat. I'm trying to – while I'm talking, it's hard for me to read and see exactly what's going on here. This is really cool. Uh, Casey Knapp in the chat said, Reed having a wide receivers meeting at his locker after the Pittsburgh game is such an encouraging thing to hear. I haven't heard that. And if that's true, Casey, that's freaking awesome. Because here's the thing. It's one thing for people to try to voice their opinion and be a leader, a quote-unquote leader. But when you go out and you have the game like Jaden Reed had, people listen, right? And that's the time to do that for sure and try to get this thing on track. And hopefully he's – he just seems like he's got a great attitude. You can tell he's he's got Jordan Love's back. Um, yeah, he's, uh, uh, he's going to be exciting to watch. As a matter of fact, let's just kind of shift gears there to Jaden Reed and, um, did something very similar. It kind of, you know, again, the Paul Brettel article got me thinking about Luke Musgrave. And then I jumped over and seen this right here on Packers.com by Wes Hodkowitz. He's got an article here. That's really, really good. Vote Packers wide receiver Jaden Reed for NFL rookie of the week. So, when the show ends, make sure you guys go vote. If you can open up another window now and do it, that's cool too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right, Clayton. He's a rookie. <laughs> I keep forgetting. <laughs> oh, didn't <laughs> That guy's a rookie. That's right. Yeah, we should definitely vote for him. <laughs> so he is the rook, uh, up for rookie of the week in week 10, right? And we won't talk about those specific statistics, Tim, but this is really cool right here. So when you look at his numbers, very similar, how many yards per target, okay? Now keep in mind, a large, large, large majority of the time in the NFL, the teams are staying in 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one tight end, right? So the Luke Musgrave numbers, that's why that was so, wow, he's top 10 and there's usually only one on the field, right? So when you look at the wide receivers with their most of the time being three wide receivers on the field and you look at yards per target, Jaden Reed is 23rd 
in the entire National Football League at 9.3 yards per target. Right above him, Amon uh, Ross St. Brown, Debo Samuel, Mike Williams, uh, Josh Palmer for the Chargers having a pretty good year, and then Amari Cooper. I mean, think about this. He's he's right there in the ballpark with Amon Ross St. Brown. The problem is he's not on the field as much as Amon Ross St. Brown. And he's he's I mean, he's literally what two tenths of a yard away from uh Amon Ross St. Brown. Actually one tenth. They're they're pretty much tied with nine point three yeah. and nine point four. You look at those targets though, you see exactly what you're talking about. You know, Amon Ra is on the field more, eighty seven targets compared but to forty five. Yeah, and I'm telling you, man, you you want to improve this offense, spread things out a bit, stay in 11 personnel, get away from the condensed sets for just a bit. You know, what did we talk about early in, early in the year, Tim? We said um, we got to stop with the cute pulling, the sifting, all this stuff. Let's get back to zone, inside zone, outside zone, and duo, right? Let's just keep things simple, stupid, right? Yep. Well, we did that for several weeks, and guess what happened this last game? We went back to it, and lo and behold – there's the hat count. That huge game that A.J. Dillon had, I'm going to break it down on Chalk Talk. It was basically a weak side GT, what we call a power GT, where the guard and the tackle both pull. And I'm telling you, man, as soon as the ball is pre-snap, you go, okay, here's the hat count. It was basically they had the hat count advantage. I think it was uh, four to three, right? We did pre-snap motion, and that's what got us to four to three. And then the ball snapped. You pull the GT, the guard tackle is all that means. GT power is just guard tackle. They pull around. Now, guess what you got? Five on four. You've got a plus one hat count. And you're and all you're looking for is an even hat count when you're running the football, right? Um, so if you include the back in that scenario, you actually had a plus two. So it, just an excellent play call. And the only reason it was there is because you got away from it and let it heal up a little bit, right? Because you just abused the crap out of it early in the year. Yeah. Uh, so now let's go to passer rating. Passer rating when targeted, Jaden Reed is 20th. So let's see, in, in yards per attempt, Jaden Reed was 23rd. In passer rating, it's 20th. So even more efficient as much as the yards per attempt that you're getting, 112.9. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Jordan Love's passer rating is 112.9 when he targets Jaden Reed. And he's only on the field half as much as Adam Thielen, as Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs has got 102 targets, right? Jaden Reed's got 45. And Jaden Reed has a better passer rating when targeting. Now, that would probably go down the more attempts. I think we would all agree with that. And probably Stephon would pass him up a bit. But it just shows you how underutilized he is. Like uh, another one, Keenan Allen, 118.4. He's got 98 targets. Jaden Reed only has 45. And I'm not saying to force it to Jaden Reed. I'm saying stop, force it to Christian Watson, take some of that heat off of him a bit, spread the ball around a little bit more, and you'll probably get the same effect that you did with that power running game where defenses now don't have that on tape. Because, guys, what they're doing is going back most of the time. Most coaching staffs are going back, and they're simply watching a four-game saturation. They're watching your previous four games. What are they doing? What are they doing well? And they look at the previous two head-to-head matchups with you, your team, your coordinator, that type of thing. So what do you think about the uh, the Jaden Reed numbers there, Tim? That's, I don't know, man. That's pretty exciting for me. That passer rating especially just shows how efficient Jordan Love is when he finds Jaden Reed, man. Absolutely. And, again, he's one of those pieces that we're clearly going to build around with this receiving core. Um, Jaden Reed hasn't played like a rookie at all. I mean, he's had a handful of rookie – I guess you could call them mistakes. I call it just football being football and things happen sometimes. Um, Most rookies are bad. They're just bad. And I don't care what position you play. You come to the NFL and usually you struggle and usually you're bad. And then we see how you look in your second year and so on and so forth. Jaden Reed, that's not at all what he's doing. (laughs) Uh, I always remind myself like, ah, this guy's a rookie, man. Holy cow. He's a rookie. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the targets have to come up, you know, and if you look at those top tier receivers on that list, a lot of these, these names that we're used to, to hearing and seeing, um, they have one thing in common and and the teams that they play for find a way to get them targets and, and get them the ball. And, you know, I'm not saying force it to Jaden Reed either. I'm not saying we should force feed anyone. I think we need to run our offense a little bit better. And, uh, a lot of that comes to our quarterback making decisions, um, you know, I feel like uh, we've been in uh, good positions to make plays. Sometimes throws are late. Sometimes throws are, you know, early. Um, but, man, when they're on, these guys, could that could be a combination right there. I mean, we talk about Christian Watson. I think Jaden, the Jaden Reed-Jordan Love connection might be something that, you know, headline worthy here in the future. So something definitely to build on going forward. Yeah, and I think what you're going to – what it has a possibility of becoming is – kind of that Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, you know. Everybody looked at Randall Cobb like he was just a slot receiver, but there was many times he lined up in the Z. There was many times that he did – he played multiple positions. Jaden can do that, and that was the scouting report that we came up with. That was our – you know, our end conclusion, we broke down his his college tape, especially from two years ago, which is why he fell the way he fell, and you can tell the Packers fell in love with him. I'll never forget. That's probably one of my best – one of my favorite draft memories – was sitting there live on the draft, and the Packers traded back. And I went, oh, okay. So they've got somebody they like here that they don't think anybody else is on, right? And I looked, and I'm like, okay, well, Jalen Hyatt's next. If he Maybe they're expecting Jalen to fall. We get to the next pick. Jalen's there. I'm like, 
all right, it's, it's probably Jalen. And then we traded down. I went, I literally, I'll never forget. I turned around, look at my board, and I went, what? Who, the, who the hell do they do they like that no one else is on? It's got to be somebody down here. It ended up being Jaden Reed. Now we know why. And again, I went back, watched the previous year, and I'm like, not that impressed. Watched the year before and was like, okay. So that's something that's definitely going to be added in, like I said, to, to uh, my draft board creation, right, to the formula, if you will, is I'm definitely going to go back two years now. Because the yeah. Packers are really watching that that year before. Same thing with Musgrave, right? Same. I exactly. like the I like the Randall Cobb analogy too with with Reed because it's true. You know, Randy was you know much more than a slot guy, and so is Jaden Reed. We have to remind people that Jaden Reed is not just yeah. a slot dude. And no. also, like Randall Cobb did early in his career and late in his career, actually, is he's an asset in special teams. He's an asset as a returner. Yep. So, yeah, bright future for for Jaden Reed for sure. Definitely. And uh, we got Andres in here says, hey, guys, I love the content you make every day. Greetings from a Mexican Packers fan. Absolutely. That's awesome, dude. And uh, like uh, Carly says, uh, Buenos Dias. Um, appreciate you hanging out with us, man, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, our, our boy Emilio, who's on here most of the time, too. You know, he's like a quarter Mexican, a quarter Italian. And uh, he uh, yeah, we have uh -oh. What's the other half? Uh oh, <laughs> probably just some boring white man, you know, <laughs> like you and I, Tim. Yeah, right. Although I'm a mutt. We're we're, we're mutts, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got all kinds of stuff in me, man. I've got Cherokee Indian. I've got Hungarian. My my great grandparents were Hungarian immigrants that came uh, came to the country. Actually, uh, trying to get away from that crazy a. What about cuss? That crazy man over there uh, in Germany way back in the day, around right before World War II, you know, kicked off. So. Um, anyway, it's not a history podcast, but we appreciate you tuning in from Mexico, my man. That's awesome, dude. Absolutely awesome. So, um, covered Jaden Reed. I did want to look at his snap count real quick from Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh game. Um, did he get a little more than maybe he normally averages? Let's see here. So, snap count 35. Oh my gosh, man. Only 51% of the snaps. Yeah, that can't happen, man. It can't. You know, Musgrave at least is at 74, right? Because, of course, he's the Y, but. Um, Jaden's got to get on the field more. And again, when you look at Christian Watson, you look at his PFF grade, it's dropped, right? You look at the interceptions that are thrown when he's targeted, he, the ball is being forced into coverage, right? It, it, if you're in a 12 personnel, the major, not the majority of the time, but a good chunk of the time, which is going to drop Jaden Reed's snaps down, things are condensed. And then you're trying to stretch the field with him, right? It just – I don't know. It's a recipe for disaster for me. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand what they're trying to accomplish better than Matt LaFleur and his coaching staff. Please. I'm not saying that at all. It's just, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Like how, why are we not in 11 more often, man? And it's not like Matt hasn't experienced this. It's how the Rams went to the Super Bowl when Matt was the OC, they looked over and, uh, and Sean McVay said this on the, on the play caller uh, podcast. He said, I looked over and I seen Cooper cup on the bench and we're in 12 personnel. I'm going, what the hell am I doing? Like I got to get my best 11 out there. It's the same exact thing here. So I hope Reed gets uh, – I hope we go into 11 more often, that's for sure. Of course, you guys are tired of hearing me say that. But, again, make sure you guys go vote for Jaden Reed for NFL Rookie of the Week for Week 10. I would love to see him get that, especially in a loss, Tim. Yep. You know, the fact that someone – you know, usually it's the big games or it's on the winning team, that type of thing. It just kind of shows you how he was out there fighting and clawing, trying to help them get in the win column, man. So, uh, absolutely uh, – Love that dude. Seems like a slam dunk pick. We criticized Goody a lot this year. 
got to give yeah. him credit for Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave. They're just being underutilized right now. Let them get out there and make mistakes, Matt. Let them get out there and make mistakes. So, uh, especially at this point when you know the writing's on the wall, guys. You know that's that's what we're playing for right now. We're playing for development and the future and to see what we have, not just with our quarterback, right? So I say let the kids play. I'm with you. Yeah. There's Emilio in the chat said, I'm a Mexican Packer fan. There you go. <laughs> until it's time to until it's time to lean on that Italian, right, Emilio? Then you're gonna be yeah. it's a beautiful thing about <laughs> coming from a you know a, a deep roots background there, man, for sure. Um, all right, let's see here. Let's do this. Uh Packers.com released a video and they briefly talk about uh Clay Matthews and, and Aaron Campman, right? Going into the Packers Hall of Fame. They'll touch on that. And then they give just a very, very brief preview of the Chargers coming up. So we'll kind of just take a glimpse into the Chargers for a second. Um, and like I said, we'll probably do a deeper dive tomorrow. Um, see, tomorrow is what? When or Thursday, right? So we'll have Paul Brettel tomorrow. I'll kind of get his takes on the Chargers and what he's seeing going into that game. And I might even be able to ask Mike about that here at, at 1 o'clock Central Time when we have Mike Wall on former Packers offensive lineman here on the show. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, let's hit this video real quick. I'll get your take on it, Tim, and then we'll we'll kind of uh, talk real briefly on the, uh, the Chargers game coming up. We begin with our sincere congratulations to former Packers defenders Clay Matthews and Aaron Campman on being selected to join the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. Back to the door, lots of time, now being rushed by D.J. Smith. Intercepted, down the sidelines, Clay Matthews, touchdown! To get this call, I was really excited, and to hear, you know, I'd be Tim, I'm sorry, but did you did you see Clay Matthews dropping in the coverage there from the edge position? <laughs> Pick. Sorry. Going in with Aaron as well, somebody who we overlapped, even if it was for a short time, somebody who's very deserving, and I think it's outstanding. Aaron Gammon, the all-pro! You know, you think of the history of the Packers and everybody who has been here before us, and to now have our names be in the same breath as, as those other players and coaches and management and whatnot uh, is, is truly special. Meanwhile, the current Green Bay Packers defense faces another tall test Sunday in Pro Bowl passer Justin Herbert and the Chargers' red-hot red zone offense. Number 10 ranks top five in the league in touchdown passes, and he's coming off a four-score game. One big reason, Keenan Allen. The pass perfect, Keenan Allen! The veteran wideout had two scores Sunday and is a threat over the middle and on the perimeter. Allen catches everything and leads the NFL in receptions this season. But come Sunday, Allen and company must do battle with a resilient Packers defense on the road. I love how the team fights for quarters, and like I've been telling y'all, that's all everybody going to get in this league from Green Bay, the 60-minute fight, whatever it takes. Back to back. Rashawn Gary. Again, Rashawn Gary off the far side edge. Love it, man. God, they do such a great job. Again, check that out at Packers.com. You can check it out on their Packers Twitter account. Um, love Wes Hockowitz and Mike Spa for what they do over there for Packers Daily. Make sure you guys go give them a click, a retweet, all that good stuff. But a uh, couple things there, Tim. Look, first of all, let me get your initial takeaways from that video there. Um, you can comment on on Clay and uh, and on Aaron Campman if you want, but uh, also the Chargers coming up and, and what you heard there. Well, let's real briefly hit on our Hall of Famers. Yeah, two guys that deserve it, 100%. Um, Clay Matthews is definitely on my, my short list of um, 
you know, and it's not a short list, but uh, my my list of favorite Packers players of all time. Um, the the way that he approached the game and the way that he just Clay was one of those guys that got better every year until he really just you know then he hit that veteran status and just you know finished his career. I mean, what what else can you say? Yeah, dropping into coverage. Well, where yeah we we saw that a few years back, right? That's not a new thing. And that's one of the things that made him so good, man. So big, so strong, um, elite pass rushing ability, yet the ability to drop back in coverage and pick six U2. Um, very real. A lot of the things that we talk about, some of these other elite edge guys, too. And, uh, you know, Clay could play in the middle, too, in a yeah. pinch if we needed him to. And, I, you know, it got to the point where that got old and he he basically had to make it, make it be known, like, hey, I like I like playing on the outside. Um but no, man, what else can you say? And Aaron Campman, too, another guy that, you know, isn't going to jump off the highlight reel, but a guy that would win in the trenches and get it done. And a lot of other guys, you know, they they got home because Aaron Campman did his job, too. So, we, you know, that can't be understated. Uh, really excited about these two uh, going into the Hall of Fame next year. I'm going to try and weasel my way into the building and uh, be there for that for sure. Um but yeah, man, you want to talk Chargers? Uh, yeah, Keenan Allen is is terrifying right now, and um, it's going to be fun to watch our our rookie secondary. Um, I shouldn't say rookie secondary; they're not all rookies, but they're pretty young. You know, whether it's Val or Bal, whoever's going to be, hopefully, Jaws back. I don't know. Um, you know, Keyshawn may have to deal with them. This may be you know contained by committee with uh, Keenan Allen because he's been playing uh, excellent football recently. I love it. Carly Ray in the chat says, my toddler saw Clay Matthews and said, mommy, that's me. Me have that same football. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Your toddler probably speaks English better than Uncle Bill, but we'll play that (laughs) for another day. (laughs) Let's see here. Badger Trio in the chat says, I don't think it's crazy to say that first round in 2009 with Raji and Clay, possibly a possible best round picks ever drafted. Other than the the Jack Venisi draft classes back in the day with Lombardi's Packers, I think you're spot on, Badger Trio. And I don't even say that definitively, right? Because, um, man, it was such a solid. When they switched to 34, they knew too. Hey, look, what what was the first thing they went for? They said we got to get us a nose tackle that can play two gaps, right, and also get after the passer that well-rounded nose nose tackle, and we got to get us an edge rusher, right. What are the two top-tier positions that we talk about on this show, right, on, on defense? Interior defensive line, primarily someone could play a one-to-three tech, very versatile, but, I mean, just as good as they come, and an edge rusher where you can get after the quarterback and really manipulate how the protection's set on the offensive side of the ball. Um, it was huge. It's only – if you don't draft those two guys, I feel very, very, very confident saying they don't win that Super Bowl in 2010, right? Clay Matthews was a very, very big part of that. Obviously, we pointed out, I think that was the year that he won a couple of different uh, groups, voted him Defensive Player of the Year, which is really cool. So, obviously, I don't think he got the main one, but pretty cool accomplishments uh, nonetheless. So, uh, yeah, I remember uh, what what you guys were saying to him. Like Adam pointed out, Clay Clay did inside linebacker for a while and still was great. You know, I remember it was after they got rid of A.J. Hawk, right, and they just kind of said, hey, we need somebody to play in the middle. He goes back there, and I thought he played well, too. If I remember correctly, that's the year we got beat by Seattle in Seattle in the playoffs, a game we should have won, right? Um, they beat Seattle. I think they win the Super Bowl that year, too. That's just, God, what a debacle, man. 
the fake field goal, the the onside kick, all of that, man, it was just it, it, everything that that could go wrong. The only way that you could lose that game, the things that had to go wrong, went wrong. <laughs> it's just, man, it was so tough to watch. I remember laughing. I just laughed, and, and I remember the group that we were watching it with at Beef O'Brady's. They said, how are you this calm? Like, how are you this – I would be so mad if I was a Packers fan. I'm like, what's there to be mad at? Like, this will never happen in the NFL again. This many things happening that quick will never happen in the NFL again. <laughs> like, this is such a freaking fluke. All I can do is laugh about it. Okay. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Keith in the chat says, uh, Clay's motor was incredible. Sometimes he ran himself out of the play, but he gave 110%. And that's the thing. You make a mistake, make it big, right? What I can't stand are those I, – I won't name him. He's someone on the Packers now. I don't want to continue to take shots at per, – you know, personal shots at people, but – there's one player specifically that he doesn't commit to make the big mistakes and the big plays. He doesn't uh, lay back just enough to be fundamentally sound. It's like he's right there in the middle, and that's the worst place to be. That's where you make the the majority of the mistakes. Um, and I think Clay Clay was the epitome of go big or go home, and 90% of the time he went big, right? So, yep. All right, so as far as the Chargers and what they said there, Tim, a couple of things stood out to me. If I heard them correctly, I believe they said that um, – Green Bay is – well, they, they said that uh, I believe the Chargers have the fewest turnovers in the league, if I heard that correctly, or maybe it was specifically INTs. Well, the Packers are second lowest in the league in interceptions, uh, you know, forced interceptions from the defensive side of the ball. And, and we've seen it all year long, man, all year long, the dropped interceptions. You've seen two more this past week. Devondre missing that pick where he read the route perfect, just didn't get his head around in time. Keyshawn Nixon gets the pick there early. I, we win that game if he comes down with that pick, but of course he didn't get both feet inbounds. Th- these are the things why I'm like, guys, I can't blame Joe Barry. These these guys are just continuing to drop interceptions. You've seen early in the year Rasul drop interceptions. You've seen Jair Alexander drop interceptions. If you took those drop picks away, and I'm talking about wide open drop picks, not they got their hand on the ball. Um, if you took those away and like added them as picks, we're probably at, at, at worst middle of the pack and interceptions, and this this whole season looks totally different. But uh, uh, obviously Keenan Allen, a reception machine, Tim, it kind of begins and ends in the passing game with, with shutting down Keenan Allen. I think what you're probably going to see, they're very aggressive in the passing game. They like to go for it on fourth down a lot. I think you're going to see the reemergence of the quarters coverage, right, and playing a, a little more of that traditional Fangio-style defense. And uh, – this is one of the few weeks that I would say let's don't worry about committing to stop the run because I think that uh, Staley is way too impatient to stay with the run. Yeah. Well, let's come out and kind of play some coverage. How do you see it, man? I, I would agree. I don't think we're going to see a lot of big nickel um, in this one. If anything, uh, probably going to have two two safeties back there pretty much all day, huh? <laughs> let's see. You know, and, um, you know, they, they have other weapons too, and, you know, I don't know how you feel about Herbert. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. Like I, sometimes he's impressive, and sometimes he looks like a like an average quarterback to me. Um, but certainly, this Chargers team is uh, one to be reckoned with. And um, you know, they talked about it in the in the video there about their efficiency in the red zone, and that's one thing that our team has been lacking recently. Uh, on the other hand, our defense has tended to tighten up as we get backed up into our, you know, closer to our own goal line. So the the football fan in me is kind of looking forward to seeing that, you know, like what are we going to do against this Chargers team when they've got, you know, 
first down inside the 20 here, and we're kind of backing up against our end zone. Let's see how we attack that offense. But um, I think it's a winnable game for the Packers. Mm-hmm. I really do. I don't think there's any reason to believe we can't we can't beat this team. But, yeah, man, we have got to account for uh, Keenan Allen in that pass game for sure because uh, I think they're going to run the ball enough just to, you know, say they have a run game, maybe to set up play action or things they want to do. But I'd be looking for Herbert to hit those uh, receivers and tight ends all day long. Yeah, Omer in the chat says, might be what Love needs, a shootout with lots of scoring, might help him mature. You know, last week, the fact that they had to start winging it all over the yard, I think that helped him take a step in the right direction. As silly as that sounds, I think there's a little truth to that, Omer. I really do. Because your back's against the wall, you've got to get a touchdown, you're down by four points, and you've seen him just kind of rise up. Other than that forced throw to Christian Watson in the back of the end zone, it's like, man, he he really stepped up. That's, that's what's so frustrating is because – in those situations, you see it happen. They're going eleven personnel, spreading things out, and they got their best eleven on the field. Um, got to get away from the condensed sets, man. You just got to. You can still run the ball. I'm not saying you shouldn't run the ball, but run it out of those spread like, looks, man. I feel like if you're spread heavy and then you go condensed, the condensed set is more effective. Absolutely, because it, yeah. it, it you know it kind of kind of throws that defense off a little bit if you've been you know four or five wide all all day long. They're spread out. And, you know, we can run out of those sets, too. We've done that. And then you go condense, and then the defense kind of compresses, and they're like, wait, what? They're not spread anymore. But if you're just running condensed all the time, and then and then you decide you want to spread the ball on third and long or you want to go go to a spread, I think the def- it's easier for a defense to adjust to that than the other way around, just, just my opinion. Yeah. Carly Ray said, uh, would you rather have Packers be NFC champs the next five years in a row but not make it to the Super Bowl? Or have a losing season for four years, then win the Super Bowl the fifth year. Man, that's a. I've heard that question proposed a, a little bit differently uh, this past well, year. Carly, or is she saying division champs? No, she's saying basically what she's saying is, would you rather have the Packers be the NFC champs? Like, okay, you're the best, you know, best in the NFC, right? Oh, I but thought she's saying like because it didn't make sense. I was like, if you're the NFC champ, you would be going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's why I, I think oh, I'm reading that. Saying, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm reading that funny. Yeah, but I get I get what she's saying. Yeah, basically what she's saying is would you rather have the team have success and go into the playoffs and maybe go deep into the playoffs every year but never make it to the Super Bowl, or would you rather have a losing season for four years than win the Super Bowl the fifth year? It's a it's an interesting question. I've heard people talk about this this year, Tim. Um yeah, for me, it's I wanna I wanna lean on the first, right? Because it means no there's way. gonna be more exciting football. But, guys, it, it, what it comes down to is winning that Lombo, man, winning that Lombardi award. Um, you know, people, Packer fans bash the Rams. Like, they're not the best team in the league. They were holding that trophy. They were the best team in the league. You can sit here and play fantasy land all you want and say, oh, well, they just got lucky at the right time. Let us get lucky every fifth year. I'm bringing on, right? So I think it's a great question, Carly, and I'm not going to BS you. There's a little bit of hesitancy in me trying to give the answer. But I got I got to lean on that fifth year Super Bowl, but man, Tim, we're seeing it this year. That'd be a miserable four years too, my man. Hey man, sometimes you you know gets worse before it gets better, right? Um, gotta, I'm with you. Get in the rain a little bit to enjoy the sun, right? <laughs> yep, yep. And you know I'm I'm with you, Clayton. Uh, what, what? Yeah, would we rather have uh, you know four 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 losing uh, seasons and then go to a Super Bowl? Absolutely, because the first part of that question we we've already basically done that. We, 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 we've done that a handful of times. 
been in the mix, been the, the best team in the league, in our, or certainly the best team in the NFC, and choke, 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 choke. Yeah. So a lot of good that that, that did us. I, I, I would. I'd take three or four seasons of the Dark Ages if that means we can build and put the pieces together and go on a run. Because that's the way it is, guys. I don't think, um, you know, Kansas City might be the closest that we'll see in this era. Um, but the dynasty team era, I believe, is kind of we're kind of trending away from that in this league. And this league is all about who's going to go on a run this year or who's loading up to go on a run next year. Um, yeah, there's no uh, coincidence that some of these same teams we always see consistently in the mix. They're, you know, the top tens in the in the league kind of fluctuate a little, but it's generally the same kind of smattering of teams um, that are competing. But yeah, I'll I'll take it all day, man. If we got to struggle a little bit to develop and and develop and then go on a run, that's that's the formula. Because you're right, Clayton. At the end of the day, it's about bringing Lombardi home, home where he belongs to twelve sixty five. That's what we need to do. That that is the goal. And um, yeah, I'll take a couple of crummy seasons if it gets us there. Honestly, definitely. Uh, Omer in the chat says, like Andy Herman always says with Barry, I'd rather stack the box and be aggressive. Even if we get burned once in a while, he plays to not lose the game rather than aggressive playing to win. I love Andy Herman. I'm a big fan of Andy Herman. Listen to his podcast daily. I respectfully disagree with that, Omer, and I'll tell you why, man. When you play aggressive and you give up explosive plays, it triples their chance of scoring. You want to know the difference in the game in Pittsburgh? People don't want to – I'm not saying Andy don't want to acknowledge this. I'm not saying you don't want to acknowledge this, but there's many people that are – they've just gotten their mind that we don't play aggressive run defense, right? The first quarter, 12-10 left in the first quarter. I actually break this play down on Chalk Talk, right? Third and three play. We stacked the box and played press man. You know what happened? We get that – zone or a toss probably. We got the pass interference play to Valentine, okay? Valentine in coverage, that's an explosive play with the penalty. And guess what? That led to seven points. How much did we lose by? Four. Okay. Let me fast forward now and jump down here to another play. Okay. Third quarter, 256 left. All right. First and 10, Green Bay's 38. So Pickens, 28-yard pass. Do you know what the coverage was? Press man, back shoulder throw to Pickens. All right. Guess what that did? That led to a Pittsburgh field goal. How much did we lose by? Four points. Remember the final two drives where we're in field goal range, but we're having to try to get in the end zone? The difference in that game, and people don't want to accept this, the difference in that game is we played aggressive, press man on the outside that everybody's been screaming for, okay, and those two plays cost us the game. If you had been playing more conservative, that you're, what what will probably end up happening is one of those two plays they don't score. It's either the seven, one of, one of those two drives they don't score. It's either the seven or the three. My guess, my money would be on that first drive. You'd have probably held them to three points, right, instead of the seven. And now you're in field goal range at the end of the game and able to win the game with a field goal, an easy chip shot field goal there at the very end. So I respectfully disagree. And that's that's the beautiful thing about us being fans. We can all fan how we want. We all got our own takes, all that stuff. But that what bothers me is how some fans, they say we're not aggressive. And then when we're aggressive and we get beat, they continue to say we're not aggressive. It's like, if you see it, you got to say it. That's what happened on those plays. And so. getting burned once in a while is that's, that's not what's happening. You're, you're getting burned more often than not in those situations. Sure. Um, you know, and I, Hey, I'm, I'm a defensive dude, man. I love seeing the box stack and I love aggressive play just as much as the next guy, but 
you know, you've got to have a rhythm with, with your sets and how you're trying to approach these teams. And, you know, it's true, man, 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 to man, press man, the, that creates liability. Sometimes I don't even care if you got shut down corners on these guys, there's ways to scheme a guy open. You know, you see that all the time. How many times do you see a guy just run a, just a nasty curl or something and it's a first down and it doesn't matter how good your corner's playing. It's because of the the scheme and the set that you're in, in that particular situation. So it is kind of interesting though, because we complained about that as fans all last year. Right. And then to see Joe Barry come out and we are seeing press man. And it's like, Oh man, if that, that might be something I don't like, like stop listening to us. (laughs) You're not paid to listen to do what we want. You're paid to go out there and, you know, do what you want them to do with your scheme. It's like, I don't know, man, you know, I'll I'll agree. It's nice to see him not, you know, 10 yards off the, off the ball in those situations. Maybe there's a happy medium, but yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Everything's not, you know, not definitive in one or two comments, just like, you know, Andy Herman, not trying to be definitive in, in saying that. And, uh, and me not, not saying that's the tell all end though. It's just, the point is there's, there's, positives and negatives to each of those situations like you know uh who is it here uh andres in the chat says i'm tired of the two high safety looks we're getting less two high safety looks than we did last year okay now we still show two high safety looks but let me let me fast forward to another play we're going to talk about on chalk talk remember the interception to christian watson at the end there right not the not the very last play but the one on the next to last drive on the second down right the uh the um omaha pump Right, that play there. Do you know why they were able to pick it off? They ran a two a two high look. They had they had the two high safety look. Matt Lafleur talked about it in the presser. Right, that's why the ball shouldn't have gone there. But again, you put yourself in a position to capitalize on that situation, especially when you got the two big boys on the left side and Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave. Right, so you got that safety help over the top. Now, with that being said, the another thing that that he pointed out is the rum fit. Right. People, people have got it in their mind that we can't run fit out of a too high look. Pittsburgh did it all, all day long, and they shut Aaron Jones down, right? So what does that equal? It's not the scheme. It's the players on the field. It's the execution yeah. on the field. And you see it Especially all over the tape. guys up front, right? Yeah. Now, you listen. They're front executing, and ours wasn't. Exactly. And you see, you'll hear me talk on Chalk Talk, too. There are like two or three plays where I was like, bad scheme call, Barry. Bad scheme call. So it's not just, you know, just that or just not that, right? It's There's a multitude of things. The players aren't executing, right? And now this last this last game, you've seen a couple of calls, in my opinion, where you're like, yeah, I wish they would have showed a different front here, maybe put an extra one there. Hindsight's 20-20. But both of those things do come back to Joe Barry, which is why I think we all agree it's time for a new D.C. in Green Bay. I just – I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon of – this is all Joe Barry's fault when that's not what the tape is showing, right? So um, that's an easy way to get clicks on Twitter. That's an easy way to get engagement because that's the big thing. Just like last year, guess what it was? It was Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Last year, everything was Aaron Rodgers' fault, right? And if you tweeted it, boy, it got interaction. It got retweeted. You got comments. It was you're off and running. This year, it's Joe Barry. And now it's starting to shift towards Christian Watson, right? Um, how about we win and lose as a team? And we point out what's actually happening on the field. And yeah, stop. let's point out the successes too. Let's point out all the times we've had this year that we got an excellent call.
from our defensive coordinator and our players went out, were in position to make a play and they did execute. We've seen the other side of the coin too, to be, to be completely fair here um, and not just rip on uh, Joe Barry, but I think you're right, Clayton, the writing's on the wall. Um, We'll see though. We'll see how they finish this year. Um, But I don't, I don't know. I don't know if whatever we do, if it'll be enough to, to save his job um, or probably some other guys' jobs too. There might be more than one or two heads rolling in Green Bay when this year's all said and done. Yeah. Um, and, and what's crazy is like the offense, right? Let's let's do this. If, if I were to just bring you the statistics and say, okay, where do you think the changes need to be made? Let's start with offense. Offense points per play. Green Bay currently sits at, where are they at? 18th. Okay. So they're 18th in the league in offensive points per play. Offensive yards per play, they're 17th, okay? And then offensive points per game, Green Bay is 21st. So you're talking about 18th, 17th, and 21st in what I personally believe are the most important statistics team-wise on the offensive side of the ball. That is mid-tier at best. At best, yeah. You go to defense, defensive points per play. Green Bay, eighth in points per play. They're sixth in defensive yards per play allowed. And then defensive points per game, they're 11th. So you're talking 11th, you're talking sixth, you're talking eighth. You have a top 10 defense and a not even a top 15 offense, probably closer to 17, 18. And we're all screaming fire Joe Barry. I'm yeah. just saying – if, I'm screaming, draft an offensive lineman. <laughs> or a defensive tackle, right? Or a defensive tackle. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. what do I know? I'm just a, I'm just an idiot talking ball, right? Um, but I, I tell you, dude, I think if this uh, – you know, hey, let's be honest, man. There's no guarantees that – you know, I, I think about our running game offensively, and I'm like, is, are we, is Jones and Dylan even going to be here next year? You know, there's there's a very real possibility that one or both of those guys are not here in the long term. And what does that mean for us? Does that mean Emmanuel Wilson is is the dude of the future in the backfield? Is that something we address in free agency? You know, I I, I think that's the Achilles heel right now of our of our offense. If and again, we're not asking for a great run game. We just need better running to be able to set up you know, the past game. And I, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks, man, but I don't think defensive coordinator is the biggest issue on this team right now. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. And you know, somebody's got to go to jail. You remember, you ever watch national treasure? Remember they they finally catch up to Nicholas cage and he's like, I'd really not like to go to jail. And that FBI agent says, somebody's got to go to jail, right? Somebody's got to get fired. Tim, that's just the way it is, buddy. <laughs> that's the way it is. Um, there was something I wanted to point out. You said something about uh, our boy Emmanuel Wilson, right? And immediately you think, okay, he's he's the third string running back, right? I think he'll be back. I think he's shown enough that he's – if there's one thing that's certain about our running back room, Emmanuel Wilson will be back next year and he'll be the number three back most likely unless he, you know, propels, right? And listen, there's been great backs that were undrafted that have excelled in this league. Yeah. Who was the one – down in Houston, um, Aaron, he was actually in draft day, the movie. God, I can't, uh, Ar- Arian something. Oh, Arian Foster. Arian Foster. 
think he was undrafted, wasn't he? If I yeah, he was him. a monster man for a couple yeah. years, dude. Yeah, there was yeah. like a two to five year stretch. He was arguably the best back in the league. So immediately, though, you think third string running back. What are they contributing on special teams, though, Tim? Here's the special right. team snaps. Look at that. He played 83% of the special team snap. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that was Eric Wilson. My bad. Boy, I got ahead of myself. I thought it was <laughs> I got so excited when I seen it. I was like, hold up. He played that many special team snaps? So it's Eric Wilson. My bad. Yeah. And that would have to change, though, too, the more he gets involved, right? Let's say like, to, right? you're I mean, up. if you're up the depth chart, you're not going to play as much on special teams, right? I mean – yeah. You will, but not like you did when you were third or fourth on the depth chart. Yeah, you'd have to. So, man, that changes everything. I got so excited when I seen that E. Wilson. I was like, hold up, that was Emmanuel Wilson. That that <laughs> kind of told me he's in the future plans, right? Let's get him accustomed on special teams. So that changes everything. We might not have any of these backs back. I know. You know? And that's, that's wild, man. Uh, it pains me because, again, though, we have to fan with our head, not our heart, and – the heart in me is like, keep Aaron Jones forever. Let him retire a Packer. Uh, and honestly, the same thing for A.J. Dillon, you know. A.J. Dillon is – take a look at him. You'd think he grew up here in Wisconsin, man. You know, he's he's completely a Wisconsin dude. Um, he's loved by the community. He's a great Packer. Um, and, yeah, honestly, this year I feel like A.J. Dillon has turned it up as of late and is playing some pretty solid football for us. So he makes a case yeah. uh, for an extension probably. Um, but, yeah, you know, you – I don't. I almost don't want to say it again, but you did. You did. You talked about Aaron Jones possibly hitting that uh, that wall, you know, that late career wall. Um, but however, there are there are some guys that hit that wall, and then they bust through it, and they give you a couple more years of some really good production. Um, we we saw that with Adrian Peterson a couple years ago, you know, a guy that you were like, oh, well, maybe, and then it's like, man, no, this guy still had solid, you know, seasons, rush thousand yard seasons, and it's like, holy cow. I even saw a blurb that the guy's trying to come back now. Like, yeah. you know, so who knows? And we know how running back are, uh, running backs are in this league. You know, if you can get a three to five to six year, seven year career, man, that's pretty, pretty impressive being a running back in this league, man. So um, I don't know. I, I would like to see them both stay, but my gut is telling me the running back room might look a lot different next year here in Green Bay. Yeah, the Badger Trio said, sadly, I don't think Dylan gets re-signed. And then he put, AJ will de demand decent money unless we get hometown discount. He's gone. If there's anyone who's willing to give a hometown, hometown discount, it's AJ Dylan. So yeah. your best shot is probably to try to re-sign him, a little bit extra guaranteed money, keep the cap hit down. That would be the best shot. Um, if he doesn't do that, then you got to let him test the market, right? Then here's the other thing, too. The market has been down. We all know that. So what the Packers will probably do is say, hey, go test the market, bring back your best offer, right? He brings back his best offer. What are we willing to pay A.J. Dillon next year? Don't worry about answering. That's the Twitter poll today. I'm going to put a Twitter poll up on Twitter and ask Packer fans, how much money are you willing to pay A.J. Dillon on an average per year cap hit to have him back in Green Bay? I think that would be a good question. We'll start we'll – say, we'll say $10 million. We'll say – Seven million, we'll say five million, and we'll do three million. I think that would be a pretty good test there because some of the best backs in the league in the last few years, Tim, they tested the market and they came back humbled, right? Yeah. So maybe you let him test the market, bring back the best offer. The number is or maybe maybe AJ says I'm not even going to do that. So you just give me, you know, we we do this um, the all yeah, I'll just sign and let's let's go. You know, yeah. you never know. 
mean, it's always, it's a business at this level, right? If we say it's not about the money, we're lying. The money does matter a little bit. And, you know, when you bust your tail all the time grinding in this league, you know, you, you do want to get paid. Everyone wants to get paid, right? Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, for some guys, it's more of a priority than others. And AJ doesn't strike me as a money-grubbing, you know, guy who's trying to just buy a new Bentley every month. So I, I think maybe we do get a little bit of a discount if he wants to be here. Yeah. Chris in, in the chat said league minimum for AJ. Um, I disagree with that. Although that would be, that would make the most business sense, right? Is the well, I think that'd be how you get them out of here. If you don't want them to be here, if you don't want them in green Bay, offer them the league minimum. He'll, he'll go see you. We'll Bye. probably, we'll probably see him twice a year, either with Detroit, Minnesota, or Chicago would be my guess. I, yeah. I guarantee you Luke Getsy would love to have AJ Dillon. Cause yeah. I mean, you, you look at his PFF grades under Luke Getsy. Pretty solid. So uh, there you go. Um, let's see here. People were mentioning the tag. Carly's got a, a question. The chat always heats up when we've got to go, and it's when I get the most interested. I'm like, that's how we end up going to hour 20. I'm blaming the listeners from here on out, Tim. It's not us. Um, Carly Ray in the chat said, could you ex- could you guys explain what, quote, using the tag actually means? I don't fully understand the reason for doing that. So essentially the franchise tag is collectively bargained as, okay, you've got one player a year that you can put the franchise tag on, okay? And that franchise tag, to the best of my knowledge, it's changed a little bit over the last few years, but the the general premise is you can slap a tag on them, the contract's fully guaranteed, and it's for the average of the three highest paid at his position, okay? So you would take the three highest paid running backs, right? Because someone mentioned franchise tagging, AJ. I I totally, I respectfully disagree. I don't think that's the right way to go, but – you essentially would take the three highest paid running backs. Let's say it's uh, 11 million. Let's say it's 13 million, 11 million, and 10 million, right? You average that out, probably come to something like 11 and a half million. So the franchise tag for next year would be set at 11 and a half million. Theoretically speaking, that's not the exact number. So that means if you franchise tag AJ Dillon, he gets a fully guaranteed one year, 11 and a half million dollar contract for next year. Guys, you you shouldn't be overpaying for running backs unless they're a huge factor in the passing game, which Aaron Jones has been up to this point. Now, this year, it it hurts me to say it like you were saying, Tim. We talked about it, man. I don't even want to mention it, but he seems to be hitting that wall, and it sucks. I hope he comes out this week and proves us wrong, you know, because he has been banged up. But that was a a tough showing. Um, You watch it on tape, and it's like there's just – there's nothing special there in that specific game against the Steelers. The PFF grade, you know, acknowledged it too. It's just tough. And I don't think they're doing them any favors, you know, uh, running out of the condensed sets right now. I think you spread things out. You can really utilize them more. But, uh, yeah, it's tough. They try to get him the ball there late in the game too where they try to force a flat to him, right, um, in the passing game. And Jordan was just late getting the ball out. It gets batted down. We'll talk about that on Chalk Talk. The protection was set to fan right, leaving the DB blitzing. Should have been on Jordan to recognize that. He drops back. He holds it too long. The guy gets his hands up and he throws it. You see see Aaron, too. As soon as the ball snapped, he sees that guy fire. He knows I'm hot here. Get your head around. Be ready. Mm -hmm. And Jordan just held on to it too long. He should have dumped it quick. Probably would have picked up five five yards, I think, on a second down instead. Or maybe it was a first down. Instead, you uh, it's incomplete and you're behind schedule. So. I could talk about this stuff all day, guys. So uh, we're going to get out of here. You got any other uh, thoughts, comments, Tim, before we get out of here, buddy? Um, no, uh, just uh, happy 
for uh, a chance to possibly go to the game this weekend. We'll see. Um, nice. All depends. And um, no, just happy to be here, man. Looking forward to the conversation later today. Uh, Mike Wall and um, of course uh, Packers total access this evening. So just uh, very happy to be here, man. Yeah, we got some uh, we got some momentum going, guys. And for those of you listening or, or watching this, do us a favor. I, I try not to do this, but. I've got a guy who's helping coach me on this, and he's like, Clayton, you've got to start asking people to like the videos. You've got to. I know you don't want to, but you got to. So here we are. Please like the video that helps other Packer fans find this content. I cringe when I hear people say it because it's like, if your content's good enough, you shouldn't have to say it. It's probably a little bit humbling right now, but it is what it is. We get a lot of people watching the videos, you know, in some cases over 1,000, 1,300 views on YouTube. And we're getting 20 likes. And he's saying, it's your fault, knucklehead. You got to remind people to like the video. They're busy. That's the only reason they're not liking it. So if you guys would, please hit like on the on the video and help share the help spread the word. It would help us a lot. We really appreciate it. I want to thank everybody in the chat. This was an awesome conversation this morning. This is what we wanted Good Morning Lambo to be. Just a good, you know, wake up, grab a cup of coffee, grab a little breakfast and, and talk Packers ball. You guys are Uh, awesome in the chat and tim thank you for your time buddy so we're gonna get out of here for those of you listening on the pod thank you for making us a part of your day we will be back at one o'clock central time with former nfl offensive lineman pro bowler uh mike wall played for the packers for i think nine years 11 years in the league Uh, we're gonna have a great conversation with him as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go